following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. There's been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Been a couple of weeks since we have recorded a intentional foul podcast. Lots to talk about. Like you said last week, how are you busier during baseball season <laughs> than we were in basketball? Golf league started. I don't know what I was doing last month. Oh, I had a baseball game on Monday, had one Tuesday, golf Wednesday, game Thursday, and then we don't want to well, and then, take and, up our Friday and, night. And we also live in fucking Greenland where it's like, do we have a spring anymore? It was one day. That's about it. Seriously, we about, go from one shit to, to summer. That's about it. That's about it. And like you said, if, if the hurricane gale force winds can stop and actually give us a nice day, that would be beneficial. Yeah. But either way, um, Mondays seem for the very near future and in the summer, like when, uh, when we'll be able to do stuff. But there is a lot to cover. I mean, we've been... We've been through the NFL draft. You and I have texted about that. Playoffs for the uh, NBA are in full swing, and uh, we're uh, about a month and a half into the uh, baseball season. So we got some stuff on this edition. I wanted to – I was going to text you the other day because you and I have talked at length at some points about frozen pizza. Mm -hmm. You've been to the grocery store lately, and as a – single dude have you seen the inflated costs on pretty much everything in in, in the store aisles because it's mm-hmm. hitting frozen pizza oh yeah yeah and supp- couple that with the supply i don't know the last time i bought a jack's frozen pizza but it's your basic run of the mill thin crust whatever i got through I, I think i was alone one night jane and the kids were doing something i'm like i'll just throw this in here I felt kind of bad because I ate the whole thing. <laughs> because normally the frozen pizzas that we buy as a family, I can't do that. So I, I try to keep it in perspective, but I know that you have said from time to time you'll pop into Jack's or a tombstone and, and just demolish it. So am I okay in in that respect? Yeah, I, man. Like, I shouldn't feel no, bad. No, no, okay. no. Because no. I kind of did. No, no. Okay. I mean, it's, if you eat... The entire one all the time, maybe you should feel a little bit bad. It but was like, first of all, you bought it. You can eat it. Who gives a shit? Cheers. No, I know that, but usually, <laughs> like, some of the, like, one of the ones that I buy right now, they're not, well, like, depends. a rising it, yeah, cross it, it or anything. It depends on the pizza. But, I mean, it was probably as thick as this pack. Yeah, you buy a, if you buy a, a, a thin jacks or a thin tombstone, yeah, you can, you know, with, with one topping, you can polish that off. It and, didn't and stand you can a eat, chance. You can eat six or eight. Right? Slices, that's not a huge deal. Okay. I usually get Palermos, which are a okay. little a little doughier, so can be a little more filling. And so. you got a couple slices left. Yeah, and and you know, back in the day, I could polish one of those. Right. I'd, I'd I'd have like a freaking half a pint of ranch dressing to dip every freaking bite in. You know, that was but that was years ago. Now I obviously don't do okay, that. Now, but. Or, now you bring up another point. Are you because? I can't eat as much as I could, even though with this large well, frame. Is it because we're getting older? Are you running into the same yes, thing? And I don't eat as much or as often as I used to. Same. Um, 
But I'll tell you what, if I get a triple order of breadsticks, half of that bastard's getting eaten in one sitting. Guaranteed. Half half of it's gone. That's that's in my belly. Triple order of sticks. Yeah. It's, it's very, very rare. Maybe like once every three months I'll get yeah. one of those. But if I do, I'm I'm going to work. That hap- <laughs> That happened about a probably like a couple of months ago where I, I got home and I just told Jane, I'm in the mood for topper sticks. She says, go for it. I I hadn't had those yeah. in, in like years, but then I went, why am I not getting these more often? And then I Because you know how horrific they are and they make you feel after you eat them. Right. Yeah, they're wonderful going down, but when they sit in, so when it's good. that six pounds of dough in your gut, that's not great. Sound like a couple of old dudes. But here. I mean, even yesterday, we, we took my mom out to uh, the Buckhorn for uh, Mother's Day. Nice. And um, I got a King Cut Prime Rib, which usually for me is not a problem. And I mean, I got two thirds of it. And I had to take a third home, eat it today for lunch. Like, I was, I was struggling. How'd you feel about that? Did you like? Did your parents I was a little look disappointed? Like, I was a little disappointed. You okay? Yeah, because my mom's like, "Are you full?" And I'm like, "I'm really full. Like, I could finish this, but I'm not gonna enjoy it." You know, there's room, just, but right. But I'm not gonna do it just for the sake of finishing it. I also don't want to ruin Bob Clapper's bathrooms the next day either. So I just <laughs> thought I'd. I'd make a two-day affair out I of mean, it. I mean, you and I talk about so many things on road trips. I know we've covered frozen pizza, but oh, yeah. I, I had a Jack's because where I, I think I was at Target and all the ones like lots of matzahs and a couple others. I didn't want to take a risk on anything else, but I'm like, you know what? I haven't had a Jack's in a while. And then I cooked it, and I got it out, and I'm like, this is smaller and thinner than yeah. I remember. And by the time I was halfway through, I'm like, I'm not even. If you had told me that you got a draft house and ate the whole thing, oh I would maybe ask you to leave because that thing weighs like six pounds. Right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. That's I, got like a block of cheese on it. I just wanted a verdict before we go any further, and that's one of the more recent things that happened right. since you and I have talked, so I'm glad that the people will that happened. They'll love that in. The people will love that in. That's fine. That's um, uh, Michael did buy, and it was a local place down in Wheaton where I went for the draft for the first night, which we could get to this in a minute, but I had the Detroit style for, oh, the, for, sure. for, for okay. the first time. Okay. I was a little hesitant. I don't really know what that is. It's like... The sauce and the cheese and the toppings are all reversed in a different combination oh, in the okay. order with the dough. Didn't you guys do something on the radio about that's like the most popular style it is. of pizza is like Detroit that's, style? That's the thing, Even now. more so than Chicago yeah. or New York. And you know what? I like I when I heard what the order was and I can't remember what specifically it was. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not really interested. But he got it and he talked me into it and I had it. It was delicious. Huh, interesting. It was really good. Whatever local pizza place, well, they don't have it up here, but he he, he said they occasionally get pizza from there. It was really good. So huh. that was our. That's always our draft uh, meal is pizza. And God, if they can make the first round of the NFL draft any longer with any more shit they can cram into this thing, I would be shocked because the Packers had two picks. And they stayed, I'm pretty sure they stayed put for both of them, 22 and 28. I left before the 28 pick. Yeah. I stayed longer the year before when I think it was number 30 or something like that. Because, or 29. They're, like, they have a band and they have people introing things and they're they're giving speeches and all this stuff. And I just went, I really miss the days when it was on the weekend of just Saturday and Sunday. Well, it's like Tony Kornheiser always said. There's It's sports. You can call it sports, but they're television shows. It is. It's a total television. I heard that the Lions, the NFL was pissed off at Detroit 
because they got their second pick in so fast. When Aiden Hutchinson didn't go first, you knew Detroit. Everybody in America knew Detroit was taking the stud the, the from, guy from, from Michigan, Michigan. And apparently in 30 seconds they turned in their pick, and apparently the NFL was upset because it, you know, it screwed up the they want to have these minutes in between yep. where where Mel Kuyper and 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 Booger McFarlane and Lewis whatever his name is can can yammer for a while until well, Greeny. They got to show a highlight know. package. Right. They got to have the picture out on front for the guys that are there making and, it. And I get it. I get that you want to give the kid time to go up, take the pictures his, his moment. Jersey. I get it. Yep. But like, if a team knows who they want, why why are we what waiting, are we waiting what, yeah. for? I don't know. Commercials. That's what. And that's what? And could they make them walk any further away? From that back area, like the couple well, of, Sauce Gardner went the wrong he way. He did. He got lost. <laughs> like, oh, it's over that. Like, Everybody's oh, like, what? yeah, well, that's what happens when the Jets pick you. You want to leave. So the Packers made. Uh, they started with eleven picks, and then they trade. They did a bunch of trades, and I think they wound up with eleven picks. Um, didn't expect to see Quay Walker uh, from Georgia. Didn't expect to see Devontae Wyatt. Didn't expect to see them available or that those were the picks? I didn't expect to see Wyatt available. I didn't expect Walker to be the pick. And honestly, he wasn't a guy I had even read about as being in the range that the Packers would even think about picking um, with their first pick. Um, But you and I were kind of texting. There was a run in the early to mid-teens on wide receivers, and really the top tier one guys went lickety-split. And it's like, well, can you justify the guys that are left picking them that high for Green Bay. And, you know, as much as we talk about need versus value and all that stuff, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm kind of glad maybe they didn't take one of those guys. But at the same time, I well, it's clear they want, they want to get better defensively, and they think that for the time being, Aaron Rodgers can make do with what he's got on offense. Well, I think... I. Th- I think they're shifting to what we talked about at the end of last run. year. They're going to a run-heavy right. offense and a and a stout D. Mm-hmm. That's what Lafleur. It's going to look. I think the Packers going forward, not maybe this year because Rodgers is still really good. I think they're going to look more Tennessee Titans mm-hmm. style than they're going to be like the Rams. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, they did grab a receiver. They traded up to get Christian Watson, which I was surprised. The Vikings traded with two teams in their division in the first two rounds. That shocked me a little bit. I mean, I guess if it if you don't want it to stop you from you getting better and you can take advantage, uh, good. But I, that's just a little weird to me, I guess, because I know a couple of Vikings fans, and they were a little pissed. So I heard uh, Peter Schrager from the NFL Network on a podcast the other day. And he was talking about that. So the the trade was the Lions moved up to twelve with Minnesota. With Minnesota, the Vikings got back like thirty two and thirty four. The wide receivers run went from eight to twelve. You had uh, Landon go eight, and then you had the two Ohio State kids, and then Williams from Alabama, and then you had a drop in the talent. So. If you didn't get into the top twelve, you had to trade up. If you're if you're the Packers, you have to get into the top twelve to pick one of those guys. Um, Schrager said he does know for a fact the Packers were sniffing around, but based on what Minnesota got from Detroit with the two picks there, mm-hmm. they were probably asking for both Packers. Of course, picks. absolutely. So I, I think if I'm Green Bay, I tweeted this out. I think they did the right thing. I think. I, I actually I shouldn't say it that way. 
I'm not saying they're wrong in what they did, but it was funny. Just because of the way it all played out, sure. and everybody thinks they're going to take a wide receiver. They got these two picks. Maybe they package to go up. They do none of it and take no wide receivers. And at the end of round one, it's kind of like this is this is this is pretty hilarious. That's what Lauren said. The exact same <laughs> thing. He said if 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 they get out of round one without picking a wide receiver, there will be people marching on Lambo. And like a- I said, that. I don't know that they're. I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm not saying they should have traded up to 17 and reached for somebody that they don't think is any better than the guy they got in the second round. I'm not saying they're wrong, but it was just kind of funny how it all played mm-hmm. out with oh. all the all the chatter here over the last couple of months about taking a wide uh, receiver. I was losing my mind. I'm sure you both, were. Both Michael and I yeah. were. It's like, well, he's gone. Well, he's gone. Well, he's gone, and he's gone. Well, shit. Now what do we do? Yeah. So um, day two was uh, Christian Watson and uh, an offensive lineman. And then to round out the weekend, it was another wide receiver, which people like this dude from Nevada, Romeo, is it Dubs or Dobes? Or I, I don't even know. Uh, he went to the Senior Bowl. They took another offensive lineman, another linebacker, uh, another safety hybrid linebacker guy from Georgia Tech, another D-tackle offensive lineman, and then another wide receiver from, from Nebraska. So they they got three wideouts. They got some offensive linemen. They got some defensive guys. Um, you can't grade the, the, the draft, obviously, until a couple of years to see how these guys pan out. But um, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, Fine. If those are the guys yeah. that think you can you can improve with for for the this year and years to come, great. Yeah, I mean that's that would be my question. Like, obviously, we haven't seen these guys play a down of NFL football, so it's hard to judge them. But do you do you like how it do you like how their draft played out? I, I mean, think so. Are you sitting here going, man? I would have I would have traded twenty two and twenty eight for twelve. No, probably you know? not. I that's that that's a really steep price. Um, and considering what they needed, I'm I'm a little surprised they didn't get some tight end help because you know Mercedes Lewis is so old. Tanyan's coming off an ACL. They got this other I think his name's Tyler Davis that they really like. Which fine, he he did some stuff, but. You know, there's just not a whole lot there. I'm I'm just a little bit surprised, but I tell you, I do like the investment in the offensive line because that's we've seen the last couple of years that unit takes hits. They shuffle guys around, mm-hmm. but they there is no drop off. Rogers is protected. They're able to run the ball, and like any other unit that sustains two, you know, two starters and another guy banged up and are able to move guys and pieces in and out and still be able to do what they do, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. So if they think they can do that and and add to their depth with this and, and keep that um, as one of the strengths of the team, I'm all for it. That's fine. If any of these wide receivers are going to be good, I hope somebody can return kicks and punts, finally. Um, and I hope a couple of these dudes, the, these dudes from Georgia are studs on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like they're going to be used right away, which is great. Kenny Clark gets gets help up on the line. And this Quay Walker guy, I read one of the, one of the Packers beat writers um, for a Packers Wire. He said that he thinks he's going to, Joe Barry's just going to use him and he's going to be an animal. Um, just the way that he uses some of the sub packages of the defense. So, well, and I don't they, know. We'll and see. They, and they still got one, what should be one of the better secondaries in football yeah. with the guys they got coming. They, the Packers should have a top five or seven defense. You would think. I would. I would at, hope. Looking at personnel, you you would think. But yeah, it'll be interesting, man. Like um, what what happens with these these receivers? Um, you know, it's, I was kind of thinking about it the other day. Like the old regime, the the Thompson McCarthy regime. Say what you want about those guys, but they were pretty good at developing wide receiver talent with Rodgers. Sure. I mean, you know, 
uh, Jennings, Nelson, Adams. Cobb, Adams, James Jones, like uh, even Jermichael Finley at the tight end. He was kind of a hybrid. Like they had a pretty good track record of drafting well and developing well. So it'll be interesting to see if Lafleur and Gutekunst have the same effect at mm-hmm. that position. They seem to have had a nice effect on the line because I think they've done a better job than the McCarthy era, especially oh, at the end where God, that was yes. just a disaster. Um, so I don't know. It'd be interesting to see, but you know, usually later round rookie wide receivers don't make a big impact. Like no. you can get if you get the top end guy, a Justin Jefferson or somebody like that, they can. You know, we'll see. I mean, well, Watson being from the smaller school, you know, he's got nice measurables and he was physically dominant at that level. Will that translate? We'll see. Um, I guess the special teams uh, coordinator, Basachi, has already talked to the coach to be like, yeah, I want this guy, this guy, and this guy immediately to start playing special teams. So yeah. They just finished their rookie orientation. They get they got him in pads and ran some stuff. I think it was Friday through Sunday. So they've already they've already got their numbers and their you know, helmets and stuff, and they've kind of went through the ringer, and uh, now I don't know when a lot of the offseason stuff starts. But um, how many picks did the Bears wind up making? Was it six? I know they went in with six. How, how many did they wind up making? I think they acquired they ended up a with lot. A, yeah, they ended up making 11 picks. Okay. So going um, in with six, for how much? How many needs they had, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, they made their first two picks at, at 39 and 48, and uh, then they just, for the rest of the draft, it was kind of shuffling the, the deck. Um, trying to move around and, and accumulate more picks because, as we've said many times, they need they need depth. Um, you know, I I I I feel similarly to the way I think you feel with the Packers. Like, um, I don't know if any of these guys are going to pan out, but I'm I'm very okay with the strategy of the draft and the way they operated and the positions that they went for. Um, you know, they they take uh, Kyler Gordon corner out of Washington with their. Uh, first pick in the second round at 39. Um, definitely a position of need. They gave up the most touchdowns, passing touchdowns in football last year. They had a whole opposite Jalen Johnson. at the. So now you've got two pretty good potential corners. I mean, Gordon projects as a starter. They get a safety with the next pick at 48, Jaquan Brisker from Penn State. Doesn't sound like he's probably ready yet, going to be a special teamer early, but a guy that I think in a year or so they hope will be a starter for him. The only pick that they made that I didn't really love at the time was the third pick. They took Vellis Jones Jr., wide receiver out of Tennessee. He's 25. Um, but I didn't realize they lost Grant, their their punt and kick returner. They, I didn't they, know that. They, they needed somebody there. I, I talked to Lauren on the air last week, and I had mentioned whoever that speedy guy is, whatever. He texted me after the interview. He was like, yeah, he signed with the Browns. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize yeah. that. But so this kid, it sounds like, is going to be the return man. He's Good. got top end speed. We'll see if he can, you know, if he he might just be a straight speed receiver. Take the top off, throw deep a couple times, and see if you get a, a get lucky and get a penalty or something. But I don't look for him to make a big impact. Then the rest of the draft, you know, you got an o, uh, offensive tackle from Southern Utah, a linebacker from Miami, Ohio, a four year starter O tackle from San Diego State. He got a little running back depth taking Ebner from Baylor and then uh, a couple other linemen. And then with their last pick, they took a punter. Yeah. And I didn't realize Pat O'Donnell's on the Packers. Yes. And him and Mason Crosby are making stepbrother videos and putting them on the internet. <laughs> like, I'm like, what? Okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, similar to the Packers, 
I think a lot of Bears fans were hoping for a receiver. Um, somebody, a plug-and-play, not not the kid they got that's going to be a returner, but somebody that can help Fields. But, you know, there was a couple guys there. I think Pickens was around still from Georgia. Uh, what is it? Sky Moore, I think, yep. was still around. There, there, there were a couple of guys like that. You know, obviously the Bears scouting department didn't care for those guys, and, and they went defense. And really, nobody should be super surprised at the first two picks being defense because you just hired a coach who's a defensive guy. So I think that's probably where he wants to shore it up first and then giving themselves some nice depth on the offensive line. You know, you draft five linemen and you hope two of them pan out. I mean, that's just kind of where, where they're at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. I, I, you know, I was pleasantly surprised with the non fuck up <laughs> that they that they perpetrated that weekend. So and right. I'll tell you what, man, I, I ended up watching – a lot of the draft. I watched most of the first round, and then uh, I caught myself. I was I didn't sit down and watch a ton on Saturday and Sunday, but I had it on. Sure. So I'm just doing stuff around the house, coming in and out, and I'm watching. And obviously, I'm watching for Bear Packer picks. And every time I went to see a Bear pick, they traded it. I'm like, God <laughs> damn it! I got to come back now. I'm, I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, I got to come. I don't get twenty minutes. Maybe I can go do something. But yeah, it was it was. Uh, it was an entertaining draft. I, I give the NFL credit, and Vegas is a is a pretty good spot. To oh, have. absolutely! I thought there were looked like the Deer District out there. Yes, you know, I was really really surprised it was that packed. Um, but I, who was I really actually impressed that they didn't mess up with the amount of picks that they had? I mean, I thought the Jets had an excellent draft. I would agree. I thought that um, the I, Ravens had an excellent draft. Um. I don't know what the hell the Titans are doing. No. I mean, you give away a 24-year-old franchise wide receiver. Oh, I didn't get Because you didn't want to pay him? Like, I don't. And by all accounts, he's like the most wonderful guy in the world. He's a great team leader. Like, uh, I don't. And then and then you draft a quarterback. And Tannehill comes out and says, it's not my job to mentor him, which I'm on Tannehill's side with this. Because I think... There's a disconnect between the question and the athlete response that nobody wants to fill in. I think the athlete is the quarterback or whatever is perceiving it as like I'm supposed to groom him to take my job. Well, that's not really what I think mentoring is. Like mentoring is like in the preseason, if Malik Willis is struggling, that's where Tannehill in the quarterback room is like, hey, man, if you do this, we want this guy to do that, yada, yada, yada. I'm not saying he should like clear the way for him to take his job, and right. and I think that's where the athlete is thinking the question is coming from. But I think it's really more of like, you know, are you willing? To, are you going to pass on your knowledge? Right. We want you to help this guy get better. You know, you're 32. You're not going to play forever. You know, this guy maybe this guy ends up on a different team. But are you going to pass on the knowledge? I just think it's funny how those kind of comments get so overblown. It's just really weird because you just look at that situation. It's like you don't expect these guys when they're in the quarterback room to not talk to each other. Well, it's like, And I think Favre said something similar years ago about Rodgers, but it's like if Aaron Rodgers asked Brett Favre a question, do you think Brett Favre's not going to answer it or he's going to tell him the wrong answer? Figure it out yourself. He's not going to say no, that. No, if a guy asks a question, you'll help him. But, yeah. you know. I, it is no. what it is. It's it's competitive sports. Um, I know the Giants had two top ten picks. They everybody says build with the line. They they took offensive and defensive line. Um, 
I mean, other than that, nothing really stuck out. I just mean, a lot of trades, a lot yeah. of a lot of wide receiver movement. Yeah, Hollywood movement. Brown got traded to the Cardinals. Well, that was foresight on their part because I think they knew the Hopkins thing was coming down the pike. It's like, well, we can't afford to be without this guy, so let's see if Baltimore is willing to well, do something. And Hollywood wanted out because he knows he's never going to put up numbers in that offense with Baltimore. And then I found out the other day that apparently him and Kyler Murray are like blood brother best friends oh. from being at, together at Oklahoma. So okay. that was a that was a keep Kyler Murray happy trade as well mm-hmm. because he seems to want to whine about his contract every other day. <laughs> Fun stuff. Um, yeah, but other than that, nothing. Um, I mean, Kenny Pickett going to the Steelers, so, I mean, that's that's their dude now, I guess. Um, nothing really was surprising or shocking in that first round. I was kind of disappointed when Karloftis uh, was still there uh, a couple of times. And the yeah, Packers I know that was your guy. Didn't take him. Yeah. Um, Who ended up getting him? Chiefs. Chiefs. They had a good draft. Two picks later. Him and, him and McDuffie in the first yeah. round, that really helps that defense. Yeah, so that's... That's all. That's all I really. And then got. I didn't have it on the roster, but what we had three or four Badgers get picked. Ferguson to the Cowboys. Yep. Chanel. I can't remember where he went, but I think he went third round. And then somebody. I think somebody went to the Chiefs. I want to say. Yeah. Sanborn went to. I can't even remember. Yeah, now. there's too many picks to remember, but really, you know it's always cool to have a couple. I was like, get and that, yep, and a lot of and a lot of Badgers also got picked up and undrafted free agency. I mean, Danny Davis is a Green Bay Packer. Yeah, I think the Bears. Oh, the the Bears got one of the linebackers. I think they might have. I think they might have Sanborn. Okay, that I haven't kept track of the free me, agent stuff. But I, I I think that's that's going to be one of the surprising guys because of how hard he works and how instinctive he is. He might wind up being one of those special teams animals for you guys that that might be like a like a decent backup. Yeah, you know, well, I take so, that. So we'll see. So that's that's the draft that was about a week and a half ago. Um, but the NBA playoffs. I know we're kind of on deadline. We want to get done by the time the Bucks tip off. Close to about, it. Yeah, a uh, little more than a half an hour, so we can roll through some NBA playoffs. You and I really haven't haven't talked about this, or we haven't done a podcast since the Bucks won their their first round uh, matchup. So now they're they're up two one Boston. A little bit surprised that they went out and got game one. Were were you or were you? Well, no, I'm not not super surprised. Okay. I mean, I I've kind of had a hard time figuring Boston out all year. They're really good defensively. Um. But they rely a lot on Al Horford, who's thirty-five. They don't have a lot of depth, um, but they but they've got two really good wings in Tatum and Brown that can score. So, you know, going into the series, obviously you're concerned because you're you're, you're short with no Middleton, and before the series starts, they announce he's out for the series. So, in Game One, it took a great Giannis game, triple double. Guys made some shots in timely spots, and defensively, the Bucks, Boston wasn't ready for that. The Bucks played that game very similar to the way they played the uh, the finals last year defensively. It was very physical, and Boston wasn't prepared for that. Um, so, you you know, you know, in these seven game series like this, it's it's a chess match. You know, this happens in game one, so Boston goes and they watch the tape and they're going to adjust, and their adjustment was we're going to try to, we're, we're going to depend on the three uh, a little bit more because in game one we were going into the paint, we couldn't score. They had 10 total points in the paint in game one. It was the lowest in Boston history. And they and then in game two they come out and they're just on fire from three. I mean, Jalen Brown is out of his mind. Um, Bucks get down big, you know, 
Giannis has a ridiculous third quarter. I think he scored 18 in the quarter, just trying to keep him hanging around. And in the end, it just, you know, everything was kind of going right for the Celtics. Nothing was really going right for the Bucs. Um, so, so game two ends in Boston's favor. You're one-to-one going back. So I think if you're Milwaukee, that's... Yeah, I, I think you're... That's what that's what you hope for. Steal you, one. You steal home court advantage. Now now it's a five game series and three games are in Milwaukee. Um and then the game on Sunday, man, I mean that was I watched most of that and it was That was an old was school rough. rock fight, like late nineties bodying up on people basketball. I mean that that was as that was as physical of a game as, as I've seen in the NBA since last what, probably games five and six of the finals last year. Uh, that it, it had that kind of intensity. It was a great game. Giannis was fantastic. 42-13-8, I think he ended up with. Um, Boston got a, a throwback performance from Al Horford. I think he had 22 points and 16 rebounds. Uh, Jalen Brown played very well again for Boston. Uh, but Jason Tatum was awful. 4 for 19. 0 for 10 on shots when Wes Matthews was guarding him. Which that's really impressive. That's not going to happen again. Jason Tatum's just too good of a player. I don't think he's going to go four for nineteen again. But Al Horford, I don't think he's going to do twenty two and sixteen again. So there's a trade off. Yeah. Um. I mean, there's there's a lot of interesting things in this series. So, you know, the matchups have been interesting to watch. There's a little bit of similarity with Boston for the Bucks that they had in the first round with the Bulls and present some of the same problems. Brooke Lopez has been in foul trouble basically the entirety of the last two games. Um, and one of the reasons why is they're they're constantly putting him in pick-and-roll situations, and because the Bucks play the drop coverage, he drops back into the paint on the screen, and Al Horford is stepping back to the three-point line. It's the same thing Vucevic did in the Bulls series. Um, Horford right now is making threes. I think he's 10 for 21 from three. Um, so he's playing well. I don't think that that will sustain throughout the series. Um, Boston, like the Bulls, has two elite wing guys. The Bulls have DeRozan and Levine. Boston's got Tatum and Brown. Uh, but Tatum and Brown are better. You know, DeRozan had the one game where he got 40, and he's a very good player. But Tatum and Brown are just so explosive athletically that they've given the Bucks problems at times, and especially Brown. I think they said he's had four 30-point playoff games, and three of them are against the Bucs. Mm. Um, but these two teams, the core group of these two teams, so for Boston, Horford, Smart, Brown, and Tatum, and for the Bucks, Giannis, uh, Lopez, Connaughton, and Middleton, even though he's not there, this is the third time they've played in the playoffs in the last five years. There's no surprises here. Everybody knows what everybody's doing. Um, Lopez and Middleton and Smart and Brown and Tatum were all on Team USA together a year and a half ago. They're friendly. They know each other's games. That's, you know, Drew Holiday's pissed off that Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year, and Drew Holiday may not even make first-team all-defense. You saw that in Game 1 when he kicked the shit out of him. (laughs) Um, So there's there's some interesting stuff going on internally in this series that's been fun to watch. But um, I just wanted to read you a couple interesting stats. So after game three, you've had a lot of media people 
and and especially all the Boston fans complaining about the lack of offensive fouls called on Giannis, right? Um, but what they're failing to look at is the overall picture. So we've played three games. Boston has been called for 69 fouls. The Bucks have been called for 67. Okay. Um, the last six and a half minutes of the game on Sunday, Boston shot 17 free throws to Milwaukee zero. Hmm. Um, and that is something that the Bucks apparently reached out to the league and talked about. In the first three quarters, Giannis took 12 shots in the paint and had 12 free throw attempts. In the fourth quarter, he took eight shots in the paint and didn't have a free throw attempt. Holiday was the first player since 1993 to take 30 shots in a playoff game and not attempt a free throw. Since when, 93? Since 1993. Okay. And Derek White and Jalen Brown recorded playoff career highs in free throw attempts. White took six shots total, but eight free throws. And only two of his shots all game came in the paint. So, I don't. My, my bottom line is, I don't want to hear about the fouls. The foul calls, it, it's been inconsistent. It's been inconsistent both ways. It's been inconsistent game to game, half to half, quarter to quarter, possession by possession. There's been times when guys have gone down and blatantly pushed people off, like Tatum did at the end of the first quarter when he shoved West Matthews in the face and they didn't call anything. There's been times when um, guys are standing with their hands at their sides and they're blowing the whistle. So, you know, I understand it's frustrating for Boston fans and, and for me as a Buck fan, to finally have the guy that the other fans are complaining about is getting too many calls. I mean, as a Packer fan, you should. This is right up your alley with your boy Rogers playing at home in Lambeau. Like you get all the calls. This is great. It's a. It is. It's a nice feeling for once as a Buck fan to not have to go against Iverson where he gets every call, or Jordan where he gets every call, or Durant where he gets every call. We got the guy now that. Although I think he's probably gets fouled four times every time he goes into the paint. This is just the way this series is going to go. And I'm not, Robert Williams is out tonight with a knee injury. I'm just not sure Boston physically, as this series goes longer, I don't know that they can physically hold up. Well, and Giannis said after the first game, I know he said, if this was a really physical game and if it's shaping up to be this kind of series, I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's a freight train. I mean, he is the closest thing to Shaq we've seen since. He does probably get away with some offensive fouls that's that right. aren't called. So Wilbon was tweeting but, about after that game. But what you're not realizing is he's fouled four times before the offensive foul. So it works both ways. I expect tonight a lot of flopping from Boston. I think Giannis needs to be very, very careful in the first quarter of how hard he attacks the basket. Um, I, I don't want him to settle for jump shots, but I think he needs to be very aware that Grant Williams and Marcus Smart are going to try to flop. So is, and I rely on you, you for this because I just don't know. Is that just ingrained in some players, or do you think that that is also coached? What 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 flopping? Because because we know guys get a label, yeah, because of their just normal behavior in certain situations like that. You're like that guy's a flopper. We know it. 
But do you also think that just to get the competitive advantage in a series like this, anybody who they're going to put on there, just take take yeah. one. Well, I, dive. I, I think that that is going to be part of the strategy. Yeah. Um, and what usually happens after all these playoff games is whoever loses, they send their tape into the league and they point to six or seven calls that they think were missed. And then the Bucks will do the same. Even if they won, they'll send in a couple that they think were missed. And then the league gets with the referees that are going to ref the next game. And they talk about things that they want to emphasize and things that we're not going to allow, hopefully, to get away with in, in said game. So, yes, I think the flopping is part of the Boston strategy. But you also have a couple guys in Derek White, uh, Grant Williams, and specifically Marcus Smart, who that's how they play. Marcus Smart is a flopper. He is the NBA version of Brad Davison. He's just <laughs> always around other people's feet. And, you know, sometimes he gets those calls against Giannis. Sometimes he doesn't. Um, but, yeah, I think floppy, flopping tonight, I think a Bobby Portis technical tonight. Ooh. I think a possible flagrant foul on somebody tonight. I think this is the game. Boston's desperate. They know if they go down 3-1, they're not winning three in a row against the Bucs. Um, I think if this gets to a sixth game, this is just, I'm just guessing. I haven't read or heard anything. If they get to game six in Milwaukee, I think Middleton plays sparingly. And then I think he's ready for game seven. I don't, I, I, I don't think it's fair to bring a guy back for game seven. It's just to throw a guy in that hasn't played in three weeks to a situation like that, even as good as Middleton is, it's just not fair. They did it the other night with George Hill. George Hill quietly came back, played 10 minutes. Didn't score. Didn't score, didn't hurt you, but he got his feet wet. I expect to see much more of him tonight. I think Javon Carter's minutes are going to be done. He's he's too small in this series. Every time he goes up for a jumper, he's had a hard time getting his shot off. So, I don't know, man. I, I think... I think if I mean if the Bucks win tonight, I think this game to, or this series ends in, in six at the most. I think if Boston wins tonight, it goes seven. Mm, okay. So, all right. Um, other NBA uh, playoff series: Golden State, Memphis. The other game tonight. That's a that's a nine o'clock in Golden State up uh, on Memphis, two to one on that. Just run down a couple of things from from that series. Well, this has been the series of the questionable foul. Um, in game one, Draymond gets tossed because he grabs a guy by the jersey as he's in the air and pulls him down. Um, So then Memphis is all pissed off about that. In game two, it appears that Dylan Brooks retaliates in a way and takes out Gary Payton the second on a layup um, early in the game. Break his elbow? Payton ends up fracturing his elbow, uh, which is a a big loss for for Golden State because he's their best defensive perimeter guy. And when you're going up against John Morant in this series and then potentially either Luka, Chris Paul, or Devin Booker in the next series, that's a big deal. So then Dylan Brooks gets thrown out of the Game 2 and then is suspended for Game 3. And then in Game 3, John Morant gets hurt on a play where Jordan Poole kind of grabbed his knee and, and pulled a little bit. It, it, to me, it didn't look like much. But Ja is now out tonight for Game 4 with the knee problem. Um, You had Steve Kerr, who the media have kind of anointed as Popovich 2.0 because he's outspoken and he's super liberal and and they like that. He he accused um, Dylan Brooks of breaking the code, uh, the NBA code, when when he did that play. 
John Morant then fired back after he got hurt. The Jordan Poole broke the code. So there's a lot of tit for tat in this series. Um, I think uh, I think Golden State wins tonight. And the series is pretty much series over. series is over. They're not going to beat Golden State three times. Right. Um, I, I, That's too bad. Yeah, I, it's unfortunate, but... But the way the the jaw injury, it makes you kind of think like there might have been something else already that he was dealing with because it just it it wasn't much. It didn't look like much, but so he's not going to play tonight. Exacerbated so. something else. Could have been compounded. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, the other two series, Philly and Miami, uh, tied at two in Dallas and Phoenix, uh, tied at two. Harden had a good game uh, yesterday, and then Embiid has been uh, was back and he had a, a good game. Uh, as well, but that's. I mean, we're into the semifinals. These are these two pretty evenly matched series. With well, yeah. Now that Embiid's back, um, I I thought this series was going to be a wrap because it didn't sound like he was going to play in Game Three um, after Miami won their first two at home. But he came back in Game Three. Didn't play great, but they shot really well and they blew Miami out. And then I watched a lot of that game yesterday. Harden was hitting some ridiculous shots, so. You know, is he is he quote unquote is he back, or did he just have a good game? I'm not sure. We'll we'll see tomorrow. But um, yeah, I mean, Embiid's a hell of a player, man, and he's the biggest guy on the floor by far. Uh, Miami doesn't shoot the ball particularly well from three on the road. Um, yeah, I, I, it'd be something if if Philadelphia could come back and win this series. Dallas and Phoenix. I haven't I haven't watched any of this mostly because it gets relegated to the West Coast time. Um, just, Probably the most boring of, of the Is three, it? I think. Okay. Um, as much as I like Luka Doncic, mm-hmm. I don't love their style, the way Dallas plays. Um, I have a lot of respect and think Chris Paul is one of the best point guards of all time, but I just don't really enjoy watching him because he just complains all the time and he's <laughs> always doing dirty shit. And then anybody, anytime anybody retaliates, he's, you know, he's Mr. Who Me. Um, but he was awful in the two games on the road. Um, he, he had four fouls in the first half yesterday. He got his fifth foul, like two minutes into the second half and fouled out and only played like 20 minutes in the first game. He had seven turnovers in the first half. Um, so I'm not sure what's going on with him. Uh, Luca is an amazing player, but this Dallas team reminds me a lot of, of Harden on the Rockets a couple of years ago where it was just like. This dude does everything all the time, and then he dribbles the ball for 22 seconds and then throws it to you with two on the shot clock, and you have to make the shot or else you're a piece of shit. That's kind of, you know, and, and Dallas at home has made more shots than they did on the road, and but, you know, Phoenix has made less on the road than they did at home, and that's kind of why Dallas won. I mean, Luka was okay yesterday, but it wasn't any, it wasn't a vintage Luka game, but... I don't know. I, I don't. I don't see either of these teams beating Golden State in the next round. I, I just. Okay. In, I don't know. Phoenix is really good. I'm just not sure. Who are you playing well right now? Who are you banking on for the Miami Philly series? Or is that kind of a toss? That's up a toss up to me, man. I, I, you know, neither team has won a road game yet, so we'll see. I mean, okay. 
That's that's an interesting one. And then you had the the fan incident with Chris Paul's. I family. watch I watched the link that you had sent me from from Charles and what we had talked about. I think it was on our last episode where you yeah where you said you know you you're every, being, every guy I said I, every guy gets one freebie. Yep, yep. He Barkley just says five minutes at center court. Right, that was great. <laughs> Shaq, what did he say? Something like no, I think it was Ernie who said it's going to take. They're going to need five minutes. Like oh no, I'm going to toy with. Yeah, them. I'm going to hit him with some jabs. jabs. And, <laughs> And then I'm going to start landing haymakers on his ass. But the original story last night and this morning about this incident was that a Mavericks fan put hands on right, physical. Paul, Paul's mom and wife. Which, I mean, I and looked then I, at Well, but then I saw the video, and the person that was escorted out looked like a teenager. Right. And he was there with his mom. Well, then this evening it's come out the Mavericks released a statement that said, these two people are banned for the rest of the season. But it said that the fans engaged in unwanted hugging of Paul's mom and wife. The way it made it sound initially was like somebody went after them. Right. And Chris Paul's they were reaction. Accosted. Yeah, and Chris Paul's reaction on the bench and when he's telling a teenage kid that he's going to see him later, later. That made it seem like somebody like threw a punch or or something like that. Now, look, I know we're in this era where you can't do nothing to nobody. Yep. And maybe they asked for a picture and they didn't want to give one, so they tried to just More do it anyway. And- I don't know. And if they're banned for the rest of the season, fine. But we got to stop a little bit with this it's so bad now stuff. It's so bad now because everybody's got a phone. That's true. That's why. And, it, it, and it, a social media account yeah, or something. It's That's not worse than the end bombs that were being hurled at guys in the seventies. So let's just not make it worse than it, than it really is. You know, this is not worse than uh, the malice in the palace where people are throwing beer cans and running out on the floor and trying to fight people. That's not what this is. So inappropriate. Sure. But let's not make a federal case. out. The only reason that didn't happen years ago was because nobody had a little camera in a cardboard box. Exactly. And was taking selfies. You needed a either a professional photographer to take a picture for you. And it was a still photo. Right. Yeah. It, it wasn't some video clip that you had to have happen, but now you have people who want to get noticed and want to do these things, and everybody has the ability to do it. It's just like at these Little League games where, where you see the videos now of the of the Little League dad going out and screaming at a home plate umpire. It's like, dude, that shit happened when we played? That shit happened when our dads played. It was just nobody there to film it. So what I tell people when they talk about, well, the instances are, you know, it seems like there's happening this just a really, there's a lot more of it. And my counter to that is we just didn't hear about it. Yeah. Because it took something on a massive level to make either a local, a state, or a national paper. And that's the only way that we knew that it happened or on TV, on the news. Because otherwise... Nobody knew. Now it's so readily available information and stuff to see and hear. It's like, well, we're we're hearing about it more because we're able to. Well, it's like uh, I compare it to um, these teachers now that get in trouble for having inappropriate relationships with students because it seems like we see that a lot now. But – it always happened. Right. It was just back in 1968. They just fired the person and slept it under the rug. 
It just it always happened. We just have a different way of dealing with it now. Can't do that now. But no. I, I I would be surprised if the actual incidents. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Were were higher now than they were. Yeah, right. Okay. Because I always think about that. I'm like, where were all these teachers? <laughs> like all our teachers were like 60. We never. I I don't think. I don't think in any. I think maybe in eighth grade I had one hot teacher, Miss Vanderplow. Nice name. But nothing in high school. No. Everybody, all our teachers in high school were old. Yeah. And now some of them aren't even around. No, right? That's what I'm saying. They're old. It's not good. Not good. All right. You got anything else in the NBA? No, got, no. Got about 10 minutes till, well, probably 15 minutes till yeah. tip-off, I would imagine. So let's roll through some baseball. Um, Brewers are in first in the Central. They beat the Reds. I was going into that series. I knew the Reds were bad, but it wasn't until after the first game that they won that the Brewers won against Cincinnati when then they posted the record in the game store afterwards. And I just turned to one of my coworkers and I went, they have three wins. Yeah, I think they were three and 25 and it was like the second worst start ever. Oh my God. And this was the the same owner that kind of chastised the fan base for not supporting the team and doing Mm -hmm. that. Well, (laughs) and I think even Bear said, I think it was maybe they were playing the Pirates because there was nobody when the Brewers played Pittsburgh on the road the week before and Bears like if you're get, if you live in Cincinnati or Pittsburgh, are you paying major league ballpark prices to go watch? Well, that have team? you seen the attendance at A's games? They're getting less than five thousand people in the Coliseum to watch A's games right now. They had a game against Detroit a, a week or so ago where they had twenty five hundred people. Oh my god! There's nobody there. I feel bad for the players. Right, that's embarrassing. And they're trying to get a new stadium. Right. Well, you got to have a little bit better product. I think they've lost nine in a row Maybe now. I don't know. Did their owner kill all his chickens too? <laughs> My people are staying away. So the Brewers sweep the Reds, and then they uh, they go out on the road. They got nine games on the road. They just finished up a series with the Braves. They went one and two. They had a rubber match. They've starting to run into some good pitching, and now they go back to Cincinnati, and then they're down to Miami for three. I don't know what the Marlins have or whether they're any good, but um, I mean, it's, it seems, and you put this in here, and I like it because they 12 and three against the Cubs, Reds, and Pirates, and that's what they're doing. They're beating the crap out of the bad teams, and that's what we expect them to do. But now, and I was a little bit shocked to hear that that was only the second series that the Braves had won all season. Yeah, they've been struggling. But you run into Charlie Morton, and he shuts you down for five innings and only gives up two hits, and your offense goes silent. So it's like, okay, is this the team that is going to beat the crap out of the bad teams and struggle with the good teams? Is that the identity of the team that we're expecting this year? Yeah, I don't know, man. I, it, this has been a hard team to figure out early on. I mean, we're we're basically like twenty percent through the season, and they're nineteen and ten. So you know, you're winning every series. You're going two and three every series. Which, if you do that in baseball, you you're, you're going to win a hundred games. Yep. You're going to win your division and make the playoffs. And we talked about it before the season started. I think that's where they're going to be. But the question still remains: Is can you hit good pitching? And you know, so far they have not. Um, you know, twelve and three versus, like you said, the Cubs, Reds, and Pirates. They're seven and seven versus the rest of the league. You know, they're two and two against the Cardinals. Um, right now against the Cubs, Reds, and Pirates, they're outscoring their opponents. They're outscoring those teams ninety six to fifty. <laughs> against everybody else, they're getting outscored like forty to fifty six. Now, granted, they lose ten to one to the Cardinals. They lost nine to nothing to the Cubs. They were down nine to nothing yesterday. I think they lost nine to two. So you've had a couple of games where you've got blown out that kind of 
you know, that, that plus minus run score thing. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, Yelich comes out and shoots his yap off the other night after they after they manhandle the garbage teams in their division and says, Oh, I guess it's not bad for a team, team that, that can't, can't hit. Yeah. And then they go to Atlanta and they get their ass and kicked. They can't hit. So, you know, I I don't know. I, I think that um I think they're gonna the offense is gonna be up and down again all year. I think we're gonna see individual guys get white hot and I think we're gonna see them also be frigid cold. I mean Rowdy Telez has been playing great this year. Yep. I mean he's got seven or eight homers, he's got like twenty five RBIs, hitting around two fifty. But if he if he has a one for thirty five stretch here in, in June, I who who's shocked by that? You know, Adamas is starting to play better. He's hitting the balls out of the park, but he's only hitting like two twenty. You know, yeah, I think in I think that one game that had eight RBIs, he raised his batting average by like forty points. But then it's still only up to yeah. that level, so you know how far down he was. Right now, McCutcheon's got COVID, COVID, yep. so he's out for a little bit. He's been really, really a good good thing for this team. Renfro's been solid. Yep, he, he's starting to come around a little bit. Um, the pitching has been has been a little strange. I mean, Woodruff and Peralta both ERAs over five, but Woodruff's got I think three wins. Burns has got an ERA under two. He lost the other day, and his ERA actually went down. But he's one and three, which is like why, which is so funny. I mean, last year Woodruff got no support. This year Burns has got no support. Um, Seems like there's always one guy like that. Yep. Um, Lauer and Hauser have been good. I mean, Lauer's Lauer. What do you have? Like all like thirty six strikeouts in in three outings or something. Um. I mean, Hader's been untouchable. He's eleven for eleven in saves. He's given up two hits all year. You know who's also been been really good. That has he's not he hasn't factored into that whole Williams and Hader setup. It's Trevor Gott. Yeah, I, he's been good. I like I like the way that he throws. Yeah, and I mean, and I really do. It'll be interesting going forward this year to see who that seventh inning guy becomes because I think if they're if Stearns at the deadline decides to go out and get somebody, I think that could be the spot. Right there. Because you've got your starter. If if you can turn these playoff games into five, six inning games, and you're trying, you know, like the year when they had uh, Knable, K Rod, and, and Axford in, in 2011, or I think it was 2011, um, the, your starter gets to five, like you're, and you have the lead, you're, you're, win- you're winning. Yeah. So. You know, and that that helps a lot more if your offense is going to be a little anemic at times. If you can shut these teams down, the last nine outs of the game that puts a lot of pressure on them mm-hmm. to get going early against your top end starters. Um, but like you had mentioned, two thirty two is a team. Um, would like to see that obviously go up. I don't know what uh, I don't know what the schedule's like, but they're going to start playing some tougher teams. Nice to have um, Urias back. Yes, you know that helps. Yep. But. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I, Yelich, he, he looks like he might be figuring it out, and he hits a couple bombs, and then he kind of just doesn't do anything for a couple days. And so I, I think he's, I think he's trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But he's he's still a ways away from I think where we all would want him to be. Well, and even in the games that he hasn't produced a ton, um, I mean, I've I've seen a couple of his at bats. He's just hitting it on the screws right at people. So, I mean, at least he's making better contact. You just got to find a way to not hit it at guys. You know what the weirdest thing about the season, I think, so far has been? How atrocious Lorenzo Cain has been in the field. Yeah. 
I think he's got four or five errors. The other night he threw the ball to first base. There wasn't even anybody within 20 <laughs> feet of it. Um, and Colton Wong hasn't been great. No, and he's he a gold glover last year. And he's he struggled this year. So, um, you know, look, thrilled to be 19-10, and 10, winning the division. I think they're going to sit at the top of the division all year. I, I just don't think the Cardinals can catch them. But um, some things to clean up because the Dodgers are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Padres are good. The Giants are good, and I think the Mets are legit. I was just going to say, I think they're the legit. So, all right, all right. That is a that's a very kind of catch me up businessy uh, intentional foul. Uh, we're uh, going to have Bucks tip off here. Dan's yep. going to go plop in front of the TV. So uh, I need I need uh, I need at least I need at least three Bobby Portis threes tonight, okay. and I need at least two Grayson Allen threes tonight for the Bucks to win. I, they got to get the three ball going a little bit. They've what do you struggling. got up on the slow cooker? Oh, I, I smoked a I, uh, I smoked a pork loin on Saturday, so yeah, got a little of that going. All right, yeah. uh, tip off is, is uh, coming up here in moments, so we will get out of here. Uh, thank you for listening. Sorry, it's been a couple of weeks. We'll try to be back uh, next week as well. Um, download. Tell your friends, subscribe, all that stuff. So until then, I'm Josh. I'm Dan. And we will talk to you soon. Go Bucks!